Storm Bowling Products, the Bowler's Company presents the Storm Collegiate Spotlight with Steve Klimkin and Tim Berg. Storm's Executive Director of Marketing and Above180.com's Tim Berg are going to introduce a variety of collegiate players, coaches, and key people involved in promoting the sport of bowling. Now, here's Coach K and Tim Berg. Joining us on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight podcast is Andy Dirks. Andy is a head bowling coach at Mount Mercy University, which is located in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Coach Dirks, it's Tim Berg and Steve Klemkin here. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you very much for having me, Steve and Tim. It's a pleasure. I think it's the second time I've been on the show with you. All right. Well, good stuff. Well, yeah, you're you're quite the busy guy. You guys got, got a lot of things uh, going on up there at Mount Mercy University. So let's begin, though. Uh, with how the season ended and, and kind of can you walk us through that for your team and, and for uh, how it ended with uh, everything going on in the world and and um, and where you left it with your team and then any maybe messages that you've had ultimately since the, with the team since the collegiate bowling season is over? Well, it ended for us like most of the college sports in the country. We hadn't left for sectionals yet, but we found out roughly 1230 that day, just a couple hours before we were scheduled to depart for Addison, where we were assigned, that sectionals was going to be postponed at that point. Um, and then ultimately, obviously, we all know it was canceled. But really, so our season ended on a really high note when you think of, of when it actually ended. This was the Hoosier Classic Championship. So we ended with a, a title. Uh, it's it's an extremely coveted championship in college bowling next to a national title, maybe one of the highest honors a team can achieve. And so I think all in all, we ended the season on an incredibly great terms and um, kind of left with some, I guess, some satisfaction on the women's side. And then the men made match play for the first time ever for a program, for our program at the Hoosier as well. So overall, we can't really be disappointed in – how we closed out the season. Obviously, I just feel like, you know, we, along with a lot of other great teams, had a shot, had a real shot at going for a, a national championship. And obviously, we don't have that opportunity now. And one of your players was named the uh, rookie of the year. I got to assume some of that was probably attributed to the great performance of the Hoosier. Yes, Ira was incredible all season, actually. The Hoosier, oddly enough, was her lowest individual finish. But that was still only 25th out of uh, 390 bowlers or whatever there are at the Hoosier for women. So uh, she was extremely consistent. She had seven all teams, uh, three of those in tier ones, and her you know her lowest two finishes were 14th and 25th. So she really had an incredibly consistent year. But we had a lot of strength top to bottom. So if Ira wasn't leading the charge you know lots of other people were right there i think that was our strength this year is we had a lot of depth we had a lot of people with strengths in different parts of the lane and different parts of transition so it was really easy to go down the lineup and know that somebody was going to show up and make make good enough shots to keep us competitive all year so coach how do you build a team then that has that depth that you need we sometimes you see it in all sports where some teams have a superstar but then if the superstar's off, then the team falls apart. It sounds like you had uh, just a, a great team. And how do you build a team? And what advice do you have for other coaches out there without giving away, you know, all your secrets? What advice do you have for other coaches when it comes to 
building that team? Well, I think sometimes there's a little bit of luck to it. Obviously, we have some strategy behind the types of athletes that we recruit, hoping that we get uh, some chemistry built based on similar study habits, even in simple things like that. You know, I try to go after a high level student on purpose because I feel like that is just kind of a culture we're trying to build. And they tend to have like-minded attitudes and a lot of other things too. Uh, But I think part of the success with our girls, we had some really good leadership in a couple seniors who had been there before and they weren't the highest averages on the team this year, but they had huge progress from last year. They both of them Mm -hmm. went up, 18 pins in average from last year or something like that. And that's just really rare from junior to senior year to have your season average go up that much. So everybody kind of stepped up. And I think the biggest thing that our women did well is they just never hit the panic button. And I think that comes from having a a mix of experience that uh, those leaders that can help the younger players who are maybe a little bit nervous understand those nerves are normal and they're okay, but this is how we can manage those. Um, and then, you know, I think I just try to look for different skill sets, people that, that can play not necessarily a hundred percent versatile in every player, but people who are really good at certain things that might be different from one another so that, you know, you can go down the lineup to that next player, even if, you know, maybe their strength isn't playing on fresh, but they're really, really good when they have to get in. And when, when it's burned up a little bit, that's fine. As long as they can embrace their role and we know what that role is and we we talk about that with each other all the time about embracing those roles and go in and be ready when it's your time well you know what that sounds like uh to me it sounds a lot like uh the last dance documentary they've they've just been showing on uh, on espn right where you talk about the chicago bulls and you've got michael jordan but then they also talk about what different roles and uh types of players and what you have to contribute to the team when you're a a Scotty Pippen or a Dennis Rodman. Yeah, I think very similar. All successful teams have, have different role players. Bowling specifically, I think even myself, when I started coaching, when I would try to build a lineup for postseason or, or try to recruit, I tried to get a whole bunch of jacks of all trades. And we didn't find as much success doing that. And I started to look at even building our rosters for tournaments based on what centers are we going to, what are the characteristics of how those lanes play. And then in addition to let's know what the strengths are on the team and make sure that we have all of the strengths covered, but not necessarily in every player. And then I think when you're honest about that strategy with players, I think it's easier to to get buy-in and everybody to kind of be on that same mission together. It also helps with they some probably understand that they might not play all day if they're not one of those jack-of-all-trade players, but it doesn't mean incredibly vital to the success of the team. Now, I know one of those times, uh, you know, Team USA, for example, I know uh, I've bowled with David Haynes and Bill Hoffman at, at uh, the Open Championships a number of years, and at one time that was one of the same kind of philosophies that Team USA had, which was when they went to the, the World Championships, for example, they'd make sure that they had a couple of, you know, real home run hitters, some guys on the team who could, uh, really string them, but maybe I'd be a little bit erratic and then would pair them up with a couple of players that were just, you know, known to hit the pocket and make the spares no matter how grindy the condition could possibly be. So with your role now, uh, being assistant coach there at Team USA, is that 
something, uh, kind of a philosophy that still sort of holds true today? It definitely is. It's a little bit, I, I'm not that involved with the adult team and how they build the rosters, but on the junior team, we definitely have to look at those, the strengths. We try to mix in a little bit of experience as well, because a lot of, mm. it's not that common to have those generational talents that are on junior team for five years in a row or, or six years. And we've had a few of those. We've been blessed, especially on the women's side, to have a ton of strength that have lasted a long time. So we sprinkle that in with some of the newcomers and, and I think we can develop a little bit more well-rounded team. It's also a little bit different on the youth side, which is where I'm primarily involved is we only have four athletes. So it's kind of hard to get a, a, a big list of diversity in skill sets, but we definitely take a lot into consideration if we know the event we're going to, and we know what bank of patterns we're going to use as an example. So if we know we're going to be in a, a longer set of patterns or the shorter set of the patterns or more on the medium side, then we know what tools we have to bring to be competitive in that event. Coach with centers beginning to open, what advice do you have for high school and collegiate players out there? And frankly, everyone, as we get back on the lanes and have had, a, you know, in some cases, six to eight weeks off. Sure. I think the first people are going to have to do is drill a lot of new thumb holes when they shrink. But um, aside from that, <laughs> a lot of tape, that's well, right. Exactly. We're going to be plugging weight holes and drilling thumb holes. That's going to be the fall in the pro shop world. Um, <laughs> but I feel like with our team, what I've been doing a lot is working on the mental side. And I think it's some, we always try to work on it. We try to sprinkle it in constantly throughout the year, but it's hard when you're developing the team and trying to win. And once you get into the season, you always think you're going to have more time to do this classroom stuff and really work on these things, but we probably don't get enough time. So I've tried to embrace this time in that role. And I've been putting up weekly mental game pillars that um, I post on our private Facebook page, just for the team to try to work on their mental side of bowling and some of that still can be practicing because visualization, uh, there's a lot of science that backs up the fact that the neural pathways fire the same way when you're rehearsal, when you're doing mental rehearsal or mental recall as when you're actually performing. So you can still practice mentally. And I know it sounds pie in the sky and weird, but there's just tons of science behind it. And, and all the great athletes in so many sports do that. But in addition to that, developing healthy routines and habits, uh, different ways of thinking about goal setting. And, uh, and then I've also coupled that with some great interviews with uh, professionals that have followed up on the topics in that given week. So we've had Shannon O'Keefe and Deandra Asbady, Jason Belmonte did a little piece for us. Um, Kelly Kulik. And, and then I've got a couple more coming up this week with uh with Bill O'Neill as well. And Mike Shady did one as well for us. So, so I've tried to use this side to stay sharp on that side and maybe hone up some skills that they were lacking on and think about mental game differently. But from a physical standpoint, I think make sure that you don't use the time to sit at the couch all the time and drink a lot of soda and eat a lot of chips, still have healthy habits, make better choices when you go to the grocery store so that you don't have only junk food in the cupboard. And then I think a bowling pin, if you don't have some of the other training tools, obviously the orb from Bull U and some of the great training tools that are out there are great. But if you don't have access to them, almost every bowler has some kind of a de decorative bowling pin laying around their house somewhere. 
as a knickknack. It is a great training tool to use to do mock approaches, to do uh, one-step drills, slide drills, swing and slide, to add a little bit of weight so it feels a little bit more real. You can do a lot of things to practice finishing your approach and things like that with just a bowling pin. That is true, and the bowling pin is good to practice your release as far as kind of getting it to spiral. We've done that in some of the coaching classes and stuff that we've had, and and that's absolutely – that's some really good advice. And you've you mentioned there, too, as well, uh, you know, DeAndraz Beatty, you had some uh, affiliation, I think, when you had first uh, started to, to work with her with the International Art of Bowling and, and Elite Youth Tour. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. I started working with them. I actually invited IAB to do a clinic here in Cedar Rapids in 2012, I think it was, yeah. And uh, I went to one of their clinics as a student prior to that, so I kind of knew what I was selling, what I was trying to get people to go to. And it turned out to be a very successful camp, and they asked for help coaching on the lanes I, um, as I had some experience, and that turned into a great relationship, and we started I started traveling all over the country with IAB doing their, their camps. And then we started EYT. The very first one was actually in our training center here at May city bowl. Well, coach, I also noticed that you have, um, you've added an assistant coach this year and you have a new staff member. I'm curious as to what, what makes a good fit when you're looking for that assisting coach and someone that can help you, uh, out with the teams. I think one of the same traits that I look for in, student athletes is number one growth mindset somebody who wants to learn and collaborate and work together towards the common goal the the greater good for the program Uh, I think that it's challenging a little bit college bowling just the reality is not a lot of us have a huge budget to be able to pay assistance certainly what they're worth (laughs) and for the amount of time that we give in. So we get a lot of people who have a a passion and a love and some of the young folks that have have a desire to move on in coaching and have their own team someday. And I hope that happens. So I look first for, for somebody that's eager to learn and, and also probably has a a good eye. I'll, we'll watch some videos and see how they kind of see the game and I'll, go to take them to junior gold and see how they see lane play and things like that and collaborate on some of those things. And, and then obviously a lot of it is relationship building, you know, who can you trust and, you know, is going to have your mission at heart. I always kind of think, I'm sure this has been said by someone else. I think I read it somewhere that the primary role of an assistant coach is to support the vision and the mission of the head coach. So that's obviously a huge priority as well. All right, Coach, and final question I've got for you, and, and I know we saved it here for the end. We it definitely uh, didn't want to diminish the importance of it in any way, but uh, you just had recently won the uh, Kerm Helmer. I don't know if winning is the right you, right word there, but you uh, um, were named the Kerm Helmer Women's Coach of the Year, so huge uh, congratulations on that, and then maybe just kind of tell us uh, what that meant to you to win that award. Well, thank you very much. A surreal honor, quite honestly, to even be nominated for the award. I think that award has largely always been a reflection of the team around you as much as it is the coach at all, because, you know, their demeanor on the lanes and their fight and their trust in the process that we do and, and how they knock down the pins. I mean, I never miss a spare all season. So <laughs> I, I just, I hesitate <laughs> I hesitate to take a lot of credit. 
for that award. It's really a reflection of the team. Um, but an incredible honor. So many great coaches that I have huge respect for have won the award and were nominated with me. Uh, many of them were incredibly gracious in phone calls and text messages congratulating me. And it's definitely something I will cherish forever. Um, a huge honor. And I hope, like I said to the ladies after I was nominated, is that, you know, no matter what this this award goes out to you guys, and I hope that it makes them feel a little bit better about how the season ended, that they didn't, that it really was a reflection of their season and what they accomplished. And it's kind of, it's a big uh, feather in their cap really. And coach, I guess I'd, I'd almost be remiss if I didn't bring up, there's still a lot of uncertainties going on out there in the world. And one of them is, is collegiate sports even starting next season, you know, next season, next fall. We don't know any of those answers, but when it does start, are you, are you feeling there's going to be some sort of changes again, just kind of, uh, reading between the lines as far as how tournaments are going to look for you guys. I mean, it was pretty tight quarters having, you know, 10 on a pair and, and everyone in, in real close proximity in, in those bowling centers. Do you, or have you received any insight as far as what may be happening soon? We haven't really received a lot of insight. There's a lot of speculation, I think, more than insight. I think it depends a lot to me based on what I read is whether how close we are to a vaccine or whether we have really tried and true treatments that are working at a high level. And those two things I think are key in how it will look and how different it will look. I I could see scenarios where there's fans or no fans or limited fans, or maybe masks are required for a while. Um, I sincerely hope we can have a season. I think we've got a lot of tools already lined up to rebuild, you know, reload, really not rebuild. We only lose two seniors. So I hope it happens, but you know, I I run a pro shop as well. And our, our center at May city, uh, we are working on things to mitigate risk for our customers and think about what we need to do to sanitize when we are allowed to open or when we decide to open, we are going to be doing sanitation on all of our house balls with an ultrasonic machine. Uh, and we got kind of a medical medical grade ultrasonic machine that will fit two bowling balls. So that's one of the steps we're going to take. We may, we've talked about locking up the house ball racks and, and having staff go retrieve those in the right size for the customers and have them on the, the racks when they get to their lanes and then start with only every other pair. So there's a lot of different scenarios I think could happen from a college bowling standpoint it's it will probably reflect a lot of what other sports do in my opinion if you know if all the other college sports do a major postponement or or huge mitigation efforts we're probably going to try to follow suit and do similar things awesome well coach thank you so much for your time today we sure appreciate it and uh wish you all the best it was such a, a fantastic season you had congratulations on that and hopefully Sooner than later, we'll be seeing you and the rest of the team back on the lanes. Uh, Thank you very much. I would be remiss if I didn't give a big shout-out to Storm Bowling before I hang up here. They have been supporters of our program since before we really deserved it, and I can't thank them enough for all the support, the the great equipment, and, um, and really being behind us the whole way. So thanks to Storm Bowling, and I appreciate you guys having us on and celebrating the Mount Mercy season with me. Thank you.